once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the C-Squared Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Gaia Gorda and Aaliyah. And we are here today talking with Mr. Robert Cicillo Jr. of Cicillo Ventures. And we're going to be talking to him about all things marketing, sales, promotion-related, video-related, all sorts of awesome stuff. So to begin, we're going to hand it off to Aaliyah, who is going to lead the questions. Hi, Robert. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. I love this podcast. You guys, it's just, it's just so different. You get to be more artistic, which is good. Thank you. Um, Why don't we start off by telling the listeners, maybe introducing yourself to our listeners who, if they Mm. don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about what you do in the music world or what could be applied to the music world. Yeah. So I run a, uh, I run a full service creative agency. Uh, we do web, <clears throat> we do websites, marketing, social media, marketing, brand development, brand building. We actually did a music video not too while ago, which was pretty cool down here in Miami. So that was fun. Um, but we help really anybody who's looking to, you know, gain more awareness, traction, power, authority on the internet, uh, do that through all the social media that's out there. So we'll create the content. We'll talk to everybody. Uh, we'll create ads. We'll do everything we have to do to get them out there. So we have a very strategic plan with that. Um, and we got a bunch of training stuff too. Like we have a bunch of training courses on marketing, graphic design, video editing, uh, creativity, which is a new one that I just came out with, which is pretty wild. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody teach creativity. So that's what I'm teaching there. But we have a lot of stuff that we offer for people. The creativity course, that's uh, very interesting yeah, I don't think I've seen anybody teach that. It's kind of one of those things you kind of assume you either have it or you don't. What's your take on that? I don't, I mean, I used to think that. Um, people would say that about sales too, but I learned sales and I was creative. So, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think if you have the ability to be open to it and to try to want to perceive it or have an ambition to want to understand it, I think you can do it. Uh, it's just, it just takes a little bit of training like anything else. And once you understand it, you can, you can get, and people are creative already. They just don't equate it to being creative. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, the way that they do their day is, you know, in, in our mind might be creative, but to them, maybe not. But yeah, I, I think you can learn it. I think you can do it if you, if you desire to do it for sure. Cool. I'm definitely going to look into that. I'm on your website right now. So I want to look into your training courses and stuff. It sounds yeah, so interesting. Go to the training tab up there. You'll see them all. They're all there. I see them. Um, so why don't we move on to talking about this social media outage that happened and um, how the do you great think- blackout of 2021. Yeah. <laughs> How, how do you think, what do you think that bands and companies can learn from this? 
Well, I mean, I'll tell you what happened. Um, I noticed it prop like everything was fine. And then around, I would say 11 o'clock in the morning, I noticed that I couldn't do anything on Facebook. And so I was like, okay, maybe it's just, you know, it's just doing a quick thing. And so I moved on to call because usually I'm promoting like nonstop all day, like I'm posting stories or I'm doing something somewhere or checking some campaign somewhere. So I noticed that it wasn't quite working. And of course, I did what every other person did on, did on Earth and went over to Twitter and was like, is Facebook down? And it was down. Uh, Instagram was also down. So I thought it was going to be like a quick thing where it was going to be like 30, 40 minutes and they'll get their stuff sorted out. Hour went by, two hours went by, three hours went by. I think it was like around seven o'clock at night is when it actually came back East Coast time, maybe even eight o'clock. And um, I remember being like, okay, this is really weird. So about before that happened, though, I let all my clients know. I said, hey, look, you know, Facebook and Instagram are down. We're not running any of your ads right now because we don't have access to it. Uh, it's totally non-existent. And I said, you know, if it's not up by tomorrow end of business day, uh, we're going to move you all to YouTube and Google. And we're just going to take all your campaigns. We're going to go over there. And we're going to have a backup plan. I, I wasn't going to communicate that, but then I was like, I think I should communicate that just to let them know that something, you know, should something not shift, we have a backup plan. So what could people learn from that? I mean, you know, I love Facebook. I love Instagram. It's, it's a great platform for connections, a great platform to promote and brand yourself and get organic traffic and do lead generation and all of that stuff. But you know, I mean, people will say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I certainly don't. I mean, I use every other platform I can get my hands on, minus a couple that I've tried. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but realistically, you know, even if they were to go down, you, some other platform would come back. And all you would really have to do is understand the mechanics of how to use it. And then promotion and the rules of marketing, which is what we do, uh, doesn't really change. You know, it's just what, what's the device that's going to get you to do that? What's the vehicle that we're going to get you, get you through with? So, I mean, the big lesson was not freak out. I mean, I didn't freak out. I don't really use social media for like perusal purposes where I'm like, I need this for validation or survival. I use it to make money. You know what I mean? So, so when it went down, I've always, I always have backup plans. So it's just have a plan B, you know, like make sure you are extending yourself as often as you can, in as many diversified buckets as you can and have a plan B. It's just, it's just the smart thing to do. I want to follow something up there really, really quickly, Robert. So um, what, out of curiosity, what are the platforms that you said that you didn't find work for you just before I asked the question? <laughs> um, Clubhouse is one. Okay. Uh, and then I think one of the older streaming ones that I, I, I just didn't get into, but clubhouse was probably the most recent one that I'm just like, I can't make sense of it. I think, okay. it, I think it's good. I, you know, I just, when I was on there, the thing that confused me a little bit was first of all, who has like three or four hours to just sit and talk that long. Number one, yeah. if I've got three or four hours to sit and talk. I'm obviously not doing sales calls or servicing clients or bringing in new business. I'm talking about concepts, which I think is great. And I think if you want to schedule it and it's like a one-time thing, but like that was the first thing. And the second thing that confused me about it was I have no way to validate this information that's being spoken to me. I have no way to validate who's telling me this information what kind of background these people have. And so I'm, I'm very cautious about information. I mean, I think it's great that people want to help, but sometimes that help can cause problems and it's the wrong data. So I, that those were the two things from a time perspective and just what was being discussed that I was a little like, well, I don't know about this one. So, you know, I stopped using it. <laughs> I was like, I'm Fair. going back. 
So, Ali, are you okay if I ask one more follow up? Cool. Oh, oh, Gaia's got a question. I'll let her go first. Yeah, I want to. I want to know the opposite. What is the platform that you like the more the most? Wow, that's a good question. You know, right now YouTube is becoming my favorite. It really is becoming my favorite. Um, I do. I still use Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn pretty religiously, but YouTube for me is uh, where I'm really getting excited because it's it's really starting to take off from an organic standpoint, um, and I like that. And it's this. It's just this massive index of content. Uh, and I like that you can really see who's putting effort into their brand. And like you, you can tell right away who's really being truthful on that front because they have to be able to sustain information and talk about it. So I would say right now I'm kind of leaning towards YouTube as my favorite. Uh, probably second would be Instagram. Third would be Facebook and fourth would be LinkedIn. Fifth would be Twitter. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I want to, I want to touch back on something unless Gaia had more of a follow-up on that. No. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay. So you're talking about how, uh, you got to look for who, like where you get your information from. So, uh, what would be the Robert Sislo test that they can tell people on how to know who is, who is fake and who is not fake, who's legit and who's not legit out of curiosity. I think the first thing that I would do is that when I ask a question, I need to know that you can answer it. And if you can answer it with a, with like no hesitation on it and actually give me an answer, that's pretty good. Uh, cool. Second would be just like, what's your career? Like, what have you been doing? Where did you start? Where did you come from? How did you expand from that point? You know, you don't need, I, I'm not so concerned about the amount of followers you have because anybody can buy followers today yep. and they can buy the, you can buy your blue check mark. Yep. And, you know, we've had, I've had people approach me. They're like, we'll get your blue check mark. I'm like, nope, I'm going to do it legally. We're going to do it ethically. I want to know that I didn't buy it to prove a point. Like there's just like some people will, like I was listening to, um, I think Gary Vee said it. He was like, yeah, well the blue checkpoint mark like inspires people to feel really good. And like, you know, that that's real, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but people can buy it today. And that to me is more moving towards fraudulent. And if you're going to do fraudulent things for attention like that, what else are you going to do in your business? That's fraudulent. You know what I mean? You're just setting the wrong standard. So do I think it's valuable if you can get it for sure, but I wouldn't buy it. I would try to do it as authentically as I can because it's, it's not real. It's just not real. You know? Cool. I know I kind of so, went off on a tangent there, but. <laughs> well, well let, let's, let's get back. Cause I, I'm not sure if you answered the whole question here. So let, let, let's, let's see if you did. So mm. how, so what would be the actual other than, so then those, you mentioned like two things on how you tell it's if someone. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Out. I want to get the whole thing. Yeah. So the second one is just, you know, where'd you come from? Um, I'm not interested in how many followers you have. I'm just interested in where'd you come from? You know, like, what are you doing every day? You know, I, I want to know that. And then I want to, and then I don't even need to know, like, I don't care about how much money you make because there are really good companies and entrepreneurs and businesses out there that are really at the beginning or in the, in the second step of expansion and they have a great product, right? I just want to know if it works. So yeah. The test really just comes down to, you know, how are you doing it? How consistent are you doing it? What, what are clients <laughs> saying about it? And that's where I get, that's really where I get my test from. Really those three are like the pre-qualifiers. And yep. then I basically move from there. Well, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second here and get your opinion on this, because I know that there's like a common trend and I think it came from Napoleon Hill, if I'm not mistaken, where it's like, um, the thing is like, you only learn it by teaching. 
So it would like, but to me, I think that's fake. And I want to hear your opinion on that. I mean, it's, yeah, you could learn it by teaching yourself for sure. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I, I don't think like, I'll give you an example. There's people out there right now that profess themselves to be business coaches, profess themselves to be, yeah. you know, marketers and they're getting people to pay the money somehow, you know, yeah. and yeah. they're, you know, they're getting paid, but they've never run a sales team. They've never made more than a hundred grand a month or 20 grand a month. Um, they just haven't done what they're teaching. And yep. I'm, again, that kind of goes back to fraudulence for me. Like it's hard for me to, to, to swallow that um, if I was doing it, because I know eventually it's going to catch up with me. You know, it's like, you know, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Um, and we live in, in, in a social media world today. I was just talking to my, um, to my girl about this. And I was just, I, I saw this person do this post on LinkedIn. And the post said, this is a marketer, by the way. The post, and he had like a lot of engagement on that post. It said, I would rather you spend 100 hours researching your audience before making 100 pieces of content and distributing it. And this guy had a lot of engagement on that. And I swear to God, I wanted to pick my iMac up back there and throw it off the balcony because I was just like, this data is incorrect. First of all, if it takes you 100 hours to understand and analyze your audience, you're doing something wrong. Secondly, if you are going to go do something for a hundred hours, at least make sure it's income producing, you know, yeah. because while this guy's doing all this research for 100 hours, I'm making sales calls, I'm making content, I'm talking to people, adjusting my content strategy, reaching out to more individuals, helping them, you know, I'm making money. Yeah. But again, it's just like, there's a lot of inverted communication. It sounds good, feels good. It's like, oh, wow, that feels so good what they just said. I feel yeah. so much better about my life today, but it ain't going to make anybody money. And it's really not helpful. I used to, you know, and, and good, look, we want good hearted things from time to time, but also need truth. You know, like what's going to work right now. Totally. 100%. Okay. Ali, I'll let you take back the convo. Robert, <laughs> you come from a background of graphic design, correct? I actually come from a background of video production. That video was just kind of like weaved into that as an evolution. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to get your opinion on um, how graphic design connects with branding and or and or video, but this this whole idea of branding, what it is, and how brand how bands can kind of define their brand. Yeah, I mean, as a band, you know, you, you've got a certain feeling, you've got a certain thing that you stand for, you have a certain emotion that you're evoking in your music. You have a look like when you guys get on stage and you sing, sometimes you're like really aggressive in some of those get-ups you got. Sometimes people are super conservative and all that's really part of the, uh, it's part of the look, it's part of the identity, right? So I'm really big on establishing identity. And I was, you know, for me, the design really should communicate the raw energy that you have behind whatever it is that you're singing about or what it is that you represent or what it is that you stand for. Like my branding is very much like a lot of color, a lot of like really kind of retro green 80s stuff. It's very bright, you know what I mean? Um, and that's just, that's my energy. This is like, okay, I got a lot of energy. I got a lot of stuff that I'm putting out there. I'm an artist, I'm colorful. I love color. I just ordered a brand new sign. They sent, they sent me a mock-up of it in white. And I said, do you have it in hot pink? I want it in hot pink and it's gonna go on my wall. And it's like, what's the guy doing with a hot pink thing? I'm like, I like hot pink, I think it's cool. Anyway, so it's just like, 
you know, whatever, what is that energy you're trying to communicate and it should communicate for you. So that design is everything because they need to look at it and get what you're about very, very quickly. Like you need to look at it and say, oh, I get what this stands for. And it should communicate. Do you have any tips for bands to find those graphic elements that will pair with their vibe? Like, or should they just hire somebody that's an expert? Well, I mean, I'm one for having somebody be involved in what that element is going to be. You know what I mean? If you can do it, I would say you should, you should take the time to really learn how to collect assets and what that looks like. Look at what other people are doing and take pieces from that. That's really how I learned is I would just look at something and I'd say, okay, how did they make that? And then I would try to recreate it. And then I would go put my own spin on it. So yeah, I mean, you could work with a great team. Like we do graphic design all the time for people and we help them identify what that look is going to be. Um, but I definitely think that if you're building a, a band along that line, you know, you should have some involvement in that. And where do you begin? Well, usually I connect, um, I connect design with a story. I connect design with uh, colors. I connect design with uh, what am I going to feel when I look at it? Like, should I be aggressive? Should I be like, wow, this is going to be crazy. Like, do I want to like, who am I trying to talk to? And I try to blend all that together. And if you don't understand just those preliminary concepts, then you need to, I would probably outsource it to somebody, but if you can start to play with those things, that's really where I'd begin. Um, I, I, want, I want to ask a quick question that's off graphic design, unless Aliyah's got more on that. Um, not in particular, go ahead. Um, okay, cool. Um, just it popped, out, popped up into my mind right here. So um, how important do you just, just in terms of art graphics, that type of thing, do you think it is in terms of making it a better presentation for the musician? Just out of curiosity. Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like, like, well, what I mean is like how, how, how close do you think the artistic vision should be like arts and art and graphics and stuff should be with oh. the music or is it, or do you feel like it could be separated? Uh, to the music or to the band? Yeah. I would say, I would say, get it as close as you can. Um, I would try to get it as close as you can to the real experience of what it is that it's going to be and try to make it look as professional as you can, because it just, it just shows that you put a lot of care into what you're doing. You know, you're not really trying to slap this together real quick. It's, Oh, I get these guys are passionate about what they do. I can tell it in all their design work. I can tell it when I look at something and it just, it just communicates a better experience for the person on the other side of that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think that was all I had for my follow-up. Yeah. I mean, I think that your graphics can help build trust in people, you know, even if they haven't, people can listen to your music and tell whether it's authentic or not. People can look at your graphics and tell whether it's authentic or not, or if it's, a, or if it connects to the music at all. And I think that, I mean, I don't know. I think it's important to to have that connection to build the trust aspect of the brand. Totally. And you you you'll get that feeling the second you look at it. Like you'll know. You'll be like, eh, or oh wow, what's this? You know, like I'm always trying to create stuff that just stops people to look at it. I don't care if they if they keep looking at it, I just want them to stop and notice it. And then I'll do the magic from there. But really the goal should be, can I get you to stop, observe, take a look at this and stay with it? 
um, or come back to be like, what was that? Like, what, what, what was that? What, you know, like you want to, you want to put all as many little details uh, as you can into it so that people come, turn around and they keep coming back and they're like, wow, that's really interesting. You want them to be a part of that, that, that journey and that experience. And you create kind of like a game for them to try to discover all the things that you put in there, you know? Totally. Um, I want to move on to the email conversation we wanted to have, Aliyah. Are you okay with that? Oh. Um, I wanted to ask about the music video and we can do that in whichever order you like. Okay. Well, um, ask about the music video then I guess first. Okay. Can you, you said that you just did a music video recently. I did. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what that process was like? And, um, well, yeah, just start with that. So it, it was, uh, it was for a good friend of mine and he's kind of got this like jazz reggae new wave kind of style i don't know how all three of those go together but they do and um he it's called sail away and he wanted to do a video here in miami and so we we ended up getting i wouldn't say like a massive yacht but we got a like a decent sized yacht that was that we shot on and um we rented this car uh i rented a buddy's mclaren for the shoot because my aston martin was getting its brakes fixed um but anyway so the process was, is he sent me the um, song first, and then he sent me the lyrics to it. And I think I listened to the song probably about 50 or 60 times. Now, I've always started with music in every single one of my videos I've ever made. Like, I've always started with music. I don't start with anything else. Uh, because for me, that really sets the tone of what I'm trying to communicate. Like, I'm always, I'm always listening for new sounds. I'm listening for new music all genres you can think of. I listen to it all uh, because I never know when I need to use it at some point. So, you know, it was this style. It was something a little bit outside of where I normally go, but I was like, okay, I'm really getting what the story is here and what the vibe is about. So I just went through pictures first. Like it just was, okay, what, what's going to happen here? What should I shoot here? What's this going to look like here? Okay. What's going to happen at this part? And I haven't even talked to him yet about how we're going to do this. I'm just working it out in my mind. Um, and that's usually how I do it. I just, I already see basically the completed video or project before it's even put together. You know, like we just did, I just spent three days in Nashville and Phoenix and we shot a reality show there. And I already was like, I already know what needs to happen at this point. Um, but with the music video, it was the same thing. It was like, okay, there's going to be moments of abstract. There's going to be moments of a storytelling. There's going to be moments of people. There's going to be moments of like, where are we at establishing shots and all that stuff. And so we basically went out two, it took two days to shoot and we had the song there that we would play and uh, he would kind of mouth over the words and all that stuff and go through the whole deal. But I would, I would get it from as many different angles as I could. I had a second camera on that with me and we were able to put together this really amazing um, story that really just came together. And I was very excited because that's what I really like to do. I like to do that kind of stuff. I like to do reality shows, documentaries, music videos. I like that because it's very creative. Um, and we're, you know, it's not an ad per se. Like I live, breathe, sleep advertisements all the time. So to be able to go do something that's that creative and really tell kind of an emotional story is a lot more fun because it's just out of the ordinary. It's, it's you're moving into narrative storytelling with music. And so I wanted to match the power of the song to the visuals and the visuals had to support what he was singing about. And we did a really good job. It really came out really, really sharp. It came out really nice. Very, very, very emotional. We shot, uh, we shot it all in 4K. 
And I would say probably 90% of that video was slow motion. <laughs> like it was just a lot of slow motion, um, mm -hmm. which was great. Um, but yeah, so the process was just basically digesting where he was coming from and then going through how I was going to articulate what his vision was. So him and I were basically on the same, same wavelength. What he was wanting, I was producing. You know, when he wrote the song, he had an idea. He saw the images as well. And I was able, you know, through a few conversations um, to be able to come back and really bring that vision to life for sure. Who was it again that you did this was for? Uh, his name is Donovan Darnell. Okay. You just Google sure. him. Yeah. Donovan yeah, Darnell, sell away. Go to YouTube. You'll see the video. It's awesome. Cool. Um, now, are we are we able to talk about the email now, Leah, or got more? Uh, I, I got a little more on this topic, ah, Curtis. You really yeah. want to get to the emails. But music videos are so important these days. So I really want to spend a little time on this topic because I won't name names, but we have seen some music videos that are not the best um, yeah. for, they, they don't really communicate the message of the song or the band very well. And I just wanted to get your opinion on what you think bands should look out for when it comes to video production, what they should prioritize, um, how long they can expect such a project to take yeah, well, from a project standpoint, if you work with me, you'll have it within about a week. Um, we edited, we shot that in two days, and then they they had the first edit within about seven days. I think it was seven or eight days or something like that. Um, so you want to work with somebody that that can really start, you know, get getting things moving quickly. That would be number one. Uh, number two is you really want to work with somebody that has a large dynamic range of creation. Okay, somebody who's moved through a lot of different um, types of styles, genres, that kind of a thing. Because believe it or not, the most beneficial thing that I have working for me is that I've touched so many different types of genres and, and styles that it's really easy for me to fluctuate between all of it. So my brand is like a combination of everything, which is pretty cool. Um, so you want to work with somebody that isn't like kind of boxed in. Like we only do this kind of video. We only do this kind of style. We only do this kind of band. We only do this kind of, you want somebody that's a lot more fluid and who's gonna work with you. Then secondly on that, you wanna work with somebody that, you know, there's, there's the artist and the artist has his world, his viewpoints, what he's trying to communicate or artists in the group. And then you have the production guy and their artistry. And you need to have this person over here who's willing to control both sides of that equation, but also be willing to be controlled by the other side, right? They want, they need to be able to, to take, you know, ideas and, and criticisms or uh, concepts that they want to bring. And they need, this guy needs to be able to tell them, well, that's not going to work because of this, but we could try to make it like that. And they go back and forth. So I was able to do that with this guy. And it was, it was good because it, it really, it made it a much more fluid process and it created a product that represents him. You know, it represents his brand. It represents the song. People like the song. So it's, it, that's the kind of style that you want to work because anybody could say, well, we could pick up a fit camera and we can shoot this and, you know, we can, we can shoot that. We get a blah, 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 but they got to have a certain range that you need to watch out for. Yeah. So also, budget can be a concern, a lot for indie bands, especially starting out. Um, for a simple starter video, 
in your opinion, if you're comfortable sharing this, what do you think a band's budget should be for a music video mm. on the similar end? Mm. I don't know what I would charge for starter video. I know what I charge for what we do, um, mm. but it depends. There's, you know, it depends on complexities. It depends on what we're gonna do. We need to get a sound stage. Do we need to get a studio? Is there gonna be visual effects? Like where are we going with it? If it's something simple, I mean, you could probably get somebody to do it for, you know, you could go get a university student who wants to build up his portfolio. You know, you don't even have to pay them if you don't want to, but I, I mean, I would pay them because it's a lot of work. I don't know, maybe like in like very, very basic bare bones, nothing crazy, like a thousand bucks, maybe a little bit less. It's not going to be anything spectacular, but it'll be right. something. We usually start out at about 7,500 to about 15,000 plus, depending on what we're going to do with that. Um, it just depends what, we, what you need, how many days, you know, where do we need to go? Do I have to get other things connected to that? That's usually where we play. It could be more than that, but it, you know, that's kind of a comfortable number. That's good for a frame of reference for sure. Yeah. Um, I have a question. What do you think is too much? What do I think is too much? Yeah. Like what would be too much? Like for someone to be paying for, for a video? Uh, that's totally, yeah. I mean, that comes back to really what's going on with the video. Like what kind of camera are they using? How many people are they bringing to the shoot? How much equipment's being brought to the shoot? How much, like, are they doing crazy visual effects? Fair. I mean, like if you, I mean, some feature film movies right now, it's like $100,000 per second for a visual effects thing. Like it's super expensive. So, you know, so, I mean, that's probably lowballing it, but I mean, it really depends on the concept, right? You know, if you're looking for something with somebody just come do a camera, blah, 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 blah. If you're paying like anything above like two or three grand for that, you're probably overspending unless it's really good. Like, you know, I don't know, but I, it's, it's hard to really kind of gauge it. It, it comes down to what the project is, what's going to be done in the project and what you want from the project and all that. Now, okay. What is too low? of a rate because there's the things where people will undercharge and then people that are crap. So yeah, I, I would get worried if people like I try, I charge a lot, you know, because it's, I just have to charge a lot because we offer great services, but I mean, you know, it wouldn't make sense if I went out into the marketplace and I was like, I will give you a Robert Sislow 30 second, 60 second video ad for $400. That would be incorrect. That would be very incorrect. Um, so for a music video, I mean, again, if somebody's coming down like below that, I would say it's probably too low. It's, it, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get anything great out of that. But again, it could always be that someone's doing it for experience. And if you know that, then that's. Yeah. And that's the other side of the coin. Like, yeah. are you willing to take that risk? Like, do you yeah. want to take that risk and let somebody experiment on you? Like how exactly. willing are you to do that? You know, and unfortunately, I, I would do it. Like if somebody came up to me and they're like, Rob, I want to just follow you around for a day and do a documentary on you. I've never done this before. I've got some equipment. Like, sure, let's do it. I have yeah. a very different mentality about that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's up to you. What do you want to experience out of that? But reversely, mm -hmm. if someone came to you like that that wanted to do a commercial for you, it'd be a completely different. Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm probably going to pay some money for that for sure. Cool. Um, what else do we have on video? <laughs> 
Gaia has something. Oh, Gaia. Uh, I have a question. I'm alive. Um, well, do you think it would be better for someone that's starting to at least have videos, even if they're like not um, well produced or anything, or just having nothing that's like not produced would be better? I mean, I would, I would have it just, I would have it as soon as you can get it. Like, yeah, quality is great. You know, having 4K cinema red camera, having your Sony's all over the place. It's great. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But, you know, iPhone shoot 4K now. Actually, the new iPhone has the new iPhone has all the features of a high quality $2,000 lens in it, which is crazy that you can go back and adjust with, which I think is pretty wild. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be focused on getting it done first before I would worry about like, okay, how good does it actually look? Um, if you can get both of those done at the same time, all the power to you, but that's not a, that's not like a defining thing, you know, a band that's out there, that's promoting, that's really promoting, that's really showing what they're doing behind the scenes. It's really, you know, putting music videos together. You know, if you go back, I, I, you know, I was watching this, this channel, it's called corridor digital. They do a bunch of visual effects and they were telling their story about when they first started, like they showed their first projects that they did and they were terrible. Uh, but now they're like working on full length feature films like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff like that. So it's like, where does it start? You know, as long as it started, that's what that's 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 the key uh, from a band standpoint. And that's really the key from really any marketing or promotional standpoint at all. As long as it started, did it begin? Now, I want to talk about something super quickly that's not on the agenda, but it just popped into my mind here, which is um, you're talking about uh, quality of the video. We're talking about the quality of the music, all that type of stuff. So now one thing that a lot of bands will do is that they'll blow their entire budget on the quality of the music and then they'll have nothing left over to promote the thing. And it, and it basically just is a dud as a result, even though they just did like the best produced album. It's the best thing in the world, but there's no one there to hear it afterwards because they just drop it. Uh, let's get your thoughts on that, Mr. Sislo. So I guess familiarize me just a little bit. So what would they be spending their money on? Like the mixing? Like the producer, the mixing, the producer. that type of stuff, image, yeah. you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, from that standpoint, again, it's like, what's, so, so you have to, this is where it gets interesting. So you yeah. have to kind of come out of the artist person persona. Okay. Yeah. Yes, you are awesome. Yes, you create, you're creating the next Picasso. You're, you're going to be the next Ozzy Osbourne. You're going to be the next whoever this is going to be. But at the same time, you have to look at it from a business angle. You have to look at it from a sales and marketing angle. And it's not going to be one that gets you the thing you're looking for. It's going to be a lot more than one to get you the thing that you're looking for. So, and eyeballs. So I would go a little less on, I mean, unless there's some really huge monetary or promotional value to spending that kind of money on that individual, I yep. wouldn't do it. Yep. If you have the money, great. If you don't, I would be more inclined to be asking myself, okay, what's plan? What? Okay. We produce it. Then what, you yep. know, we're going to put this together. What now? You know, we had, I had a situation kind of relative to the music industry where it's this high fidelity uh, platform and stuff like that and, and all this. But anyway, it's a good story where it's like, okay, do we start marketing now a year ago or do I wait for when it's absolutely perfect to get it out into the marketplace? And yep. ideally the answer was we should have started a year ago. Um, 
But again, that's, this is where that artist thing comes in. And I was, I was, I was like this where I was like, yeah, I mean, I make the best videos on earth. Like everybody's going to come to me. Everybody's going to want to see Robert. Everybody's going to come to me because I'm so good. And that's not really the case at all. Like I've never seen that happen. Uh, It's always more, I've produced hundreds of thousands of this and then boom, there it happened. Or I spent more money on my promotion and marketing and that's where it really happened for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's really, that's how I view it. Cool. Um, I think that's all I got on that. Yeah, one statement real quick is like, I know that some bands like to go with a producer who has a well-known name in their industry, but I'm not sure what the metrics are as far as how does that translate to more sales for them? I'm not sure. Doesn't. I mean, you probably get the name, you get the name, but again, it's, it's what happens after that point is really where that's where I'm most interested. What happens beyond that is where I'll give you guys a little example that I had not that long ago, just, just from my own experience with this, is a, a well-known producer was hired by uh, an unknown band to produce their album, do the mixing, the whole nine yards. And they dropped, I think they said it was like $50,000 on it. They had no budget for promotion afterwards or anything. So it just went out there and it, nothing happened. Nobody knew about it. And they only had like, I think, 50 Facebook followers or something like that. So they basically blew $50,000 or something like that to get a great product, but nobody bought it. So that's what happens. Yeah. Like, that's stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen in my life. We have no budget for ads. We have no budget for PR. We have no budget for nothing. Yeah. The important right. stuff that really, like, yes, the music matters. Yes, the production yeah. matters. But that yeah. second marketing piece is so critical. Yeah. So Probably even more so in this industry because it's so competitive. Everybody's like, I got the next big hit. I got the next big hit. I got the net. It's like, geez, you know, like, okay. Yep. So the only way to outmaneuver that is to outspend that. That's it. 100%. Get more traction on it. Get more eyeballs on it. 100%. What else we got, Aaliyah, on this? Uh, no, I think that wraps this topic up pretty nicely. Nice. If you want to move to the email questions, I'm I'm ready. Can I can I ask the question? Go for it. Okay, cool. And then we're gonna have Gaia jumped in because she she died momentarily there and probably wants <laughs> she's to... back though. She's Welcome back. back. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so uh, Robert, let's talk for a minute about uh. Well, this is kind of like a two part question, so I'm gonna kind of break it up into two different parts. So volume of promotion, volume. Yeah. Vol- Okay, let's talk. Can you talk for a bit about volume and how much is too much just as a general thing? And then I want to move into email. Well, you know, I don't think I used to think that there was too much. I think there's too much too quick. Uh, I think is really the thing. I've been doing some experimentations (laughs) recently on on all the platforms, just kind of testing that theory out, just to change like they change all the time. So I'm like, oh, okay, let me just like supercharge it and do all this stuff really fast. And that didn't really work out too well. And then I went, okay, let me just really super back off and see what happens. And that didn't really work out well. Mm-hmm. So now I'm kind of moving into that. Okay, let's go be aggressive, but let's be a little more strategic about that. So, I mean, I think if you're active and you're showcasing and you're being involved on a daily basis, that's probably where you want to be. Um, how much you do in that day. I mean, I don't think you want to overkill it, but I think there's a, there's a happy medium of that. I'm averaging probably about 60 to 80 pieces of content a day. Going back to that guy who had that post on LinkedIn, my God, 100 hours to do this. 
um, whatever. Anyway, so, but, but I mean, I'm not going to do a hundred like in an hour, like it's going to be spread out throughout the day. You know, like I'll drop a little bit now. I'll drop a little bit in two hours. I'll drop a little bit in three hours, you know, but I'm devoted to that. Like I'm really, my muscle on promotion is really built up. So if you can do that, I mean, I think it's great, you know, but I don't think you need to like gun it and kill everybody with it. I think it's too cool. much. There's a point where it's like, okay, that's enough. So you, you think it's the speed of different quantity of promo versus the total amount of promo. Yeah, I think that's really where it is. I think if it's too much condensed together, it doesn't work out too well. I think if you've yeah. got a lot and spread it out a little bit, I think you're playing a better game on that front. And then spending ad money on that, I think just puts you in a better position to make it to make it really go right. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, Aliyah, you want to move on to the next part about the email? Sure, sure. Um, context of this is, uh, I would say I've subscribed to some email newsletters that have bombarded my inbox so much that I unsubscribed from them within three days. <laughs> so, um, what is your what are your thoughts on email volume? Like, how many emails should bands be sending a day? Well, what you have to look at you. You have to ask the question. Okay, who? Why would they want an email? Number one, like, like if what does a band have an email for? Right. What does a band have an email for? Is it for updates? Is it for shows? Yeah. Is it for behind the scenes? What is it? If it's like, like if it's for, Hey, we're playing a show Friday, check it out. I think that's probably a little too, way too little to hit an email list with. I think if you're going to do this and you're like, Hey, check out our behind the scenes mixing session. Or, hey, we just got this new uh, piece of equipment that just came in. We just got this new banging guitar. You got to check this thing out. Or we got this new synth that we're going to hook up. It's so retro. You got to check this out. Uh, dude, check out this guy we got with a trumpet over here. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to mix that with, with, with hardcore metal, but we're going to figure it out. You know, like stuff like that from an experiential standpoint, I think is really where your email list is going to go. How often? Yeah. I mean, again, what's the point? Are we trying to educate or are we trying to sell? If you're trying to sell, I think there's a limit. I don't, you know, I used to be a part of the hit, you know, hit, 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 hit. I don't hit, hit, hit. I think it's once or twice a day. Twice is probably just pushing it a little too much. I would probably go once, once a day, once a day, if you're really trying to educate people. Like the strategy that I had there for a really long time was, okay, I'm just going to do a lot of YouTube content and then I'm going to send that out in an email. And if they watch it, great. If they don't, great. Like it was purely no sales, just check it out. And then I slowly over time started to introduce sales pitches like, hey, I got my creativity course. Hey, I got my marketing course. Hey, there's this Photoshop and design course. Hey, we're doing a live webinar that's free every Wednesday. But it wasn't like the central point. So I wanted to really nurture the people that were following me first with a lot of data whether or not they watched it whether or not they were if they even if they didn't like it but they were still receiving it i just was like i'm gonna be so open and transparent with you and value driven on this that i'm just gonna share it and then i will do that for so long that at one point now i have the right to ask you to buy something you know what i mean like like if i can't physically talk to you on the phone to build that rapport i'm gonna do it in a different way and then i'm gonna ask you to buy so it's again, strategy. It's what's the point? Are we trying to sell an album? Good. Did you nurture them all the way up to the point of the release of the album? Did you show them the journey all the way up to the release of that album? 
Are you playing your first big show at this big, uh, you know, venue or something? Good. Did you nurture everybody up to that point to support you? Like, what, what have you been doing up to that point? It's not just turn it on, pay attention, buy, or turn it yeah. on, pay attention, show up. It doesn't work. You got you to gotta bring them up along the line. And honestly, musicians have, I think, I think they have a really cool experience because you guys meet up and then it's like, dude, what are we going to do? Dude, riff this out for the next 20 minutes. Dude, Johnny just banged this out for like 25 minutes. He didn't even know what he was doing. He just made it up and just did three different notes over and over again. But it was so cool. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I would, if I was subscribed to a band, that's what I'd want to see from the band. Because when I like a band or I like music, I want to try to get everything I can from that individual. You know, I want to know how they're making stuff. I want to know what that creative process is like. I want to know what else they like outside of that. You know, maybe they're not, maybe they're like a hardcore, you know, this guy, or maybe they're a pop singer, but they like to study astrophysics. I don't know. That would be interesting to me. I'd be like, what is this? I use astrophysics because that's me. Like I, I, I majored in college in astrophysics and English, and then I dropped out. Go figure. Now I run an ad agency. But, but it was just like, well, that's random, you know, okay, cool. All right. No problem advertiser likes astrophysics okay great like that's the kind of stuff people like and i used to think people wouldn't like that about me but then i realized people actually thought that was kind of interesting like well tell me about that and then that would lead to more conversation but you know that's a nurturing point you know it's a nurturing point that somebody's like oh that's 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 new i would have never okay interesting and they just they become more interested yeah again it comes back to that point of too much buy and too much nurture and you got to find that perfect point. I, 90, I, I you probably go about 90 10 on that 90 yeah. nurture, nurture nurture and then 10 percent. but that 10 percent, yeah. when i do it it's pretty strong like it's yeah. very very aggressive um yeah. but that 90 percent is very much like okay this is good yeah no i get it guy do you have any questions that you want to jump in on because we've had we we haven't let you know, talk in the for the last five to ten minutes rather <laughs> It's okay. I was uh, I was like without power for a second. <laughs> um, so um, about like the mailing list. So would you say that it would be extremely important for Ben to get on the mailing list? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like why not? Like what? Like you got to treat the band like a business, man. And, and 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 you know, again, that's coming out of that. I'm the best artist on earth, and it's like yes, you are. But there's another piece you have to know. And, you know, adding that into your arsenal just makes you a better artist. It just makes you that much better because you care about that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you can create that, because I mean, really, if you, the, the big guys that are out there, they have a whole ecosystem, you know, they create this whole ecosystem around them because of their music and what they do. And it's like a culture thing. And then you can, you, you could fast track that with something like this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then keep yeah. it going after the fact so um back to a different subject here we only got about 10 minutes left i think i just looked at the time um but i do you have any recommendations for how people could learn how to sell and how to market themselves other than just your courses because we know we've got your courses we know about those. yeah i mean if you really um if you're really wanting to learn how to sell there's a book called big league sales it's a really good book uh, definitely check that out. Um, there, there's a sales guy, uh, Grant Cardone. He's got good stuff. I mean, that's where I trained. That's where I started. That's where I learned. I was an artist. Okay. I didn't do sales. I was like, I am, you know, art, 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 create, 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 create. But there yeah. was a, there was a need to just understand, um, 
sales and understand the mechanics of that. And so there's a good jumping point from that point and then transitioning into an artist's viewpoint uh, that I think is good. Um, but yeah, those are really the resources that I would go with. Like just honestly, it doesn't matter where you get it from. It's just get some information about sales. Just learn the process, how to do it, you know, because once you understand the mechanics of sales, you could go into any industry and sell. Okay. You could go in any space and sell as an artist. You need to know how to do that. You need to know a little bit about marketing. You need to know a little bit about these platforms because it's just going to give you an edge, uh, especially yeah. if you're in a, you're, you're, it's a competitive space. It's very competitive. Yeah. The, the problem is, is there's so many different sales trainers and sales books out there. It's always hard for people to know, you know, what's the right thing. Cause some of the stuff is out of date, as you know, some of it was written in like 1950 and stuff and people are still passing off. Right. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's hard to say sometimes, but um, Ali, I'm going to let you go now. Thanks Curtis. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm like, you're acting like I was asking to ask a question. Well, but... I thought you were. I thought you were. I thought you were. I thought that was a, I thought that was, I want to ask a question. Look, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to let you go now. Go. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was a pretty good summary, honestly. And it's a lot of good information for bands. So, um, and giving them, I guess one question would be like, if you could pick like three books for someone to read that's trying to learn about sales, what would they be? Ooh. That's a good question. Yeah. So definitely big league sales for sure. There's another book that's actually really good that changed my whole viewpoint on marketing, but it applies to sales and it's called uh, Guerrilla Marketing. Uh, it's really, really like changed my, changed my viewpoint, especially today. Um, like one of the things that I'll just share with you that changed my viewpoint was the, was the, was the use of competition to per per propel yourself, but not in the sense of like, being competitive with somebody, but finding these areas where the competition's actually a little bit weaker and then accelerating on that or knowing when you need to kind of like not go pick that fight and go on the outside of it and kind of circumvent the whole thing or how to just kind of control your position. And I thought about that from a sales viewpoint as well. And I thought that that was really good. Like that really, that really changed my, uh, that changed my viewpoint on that because it was just like, wow, I would have never thought about it like this. And it, and it works. It works. Um, so definitely that one, definitely big league sales. And I think, um, yeah, definitely seller be sold, I think is great. Just gives you some really preliminary data on how to sell the process of sales, how to do it. It's very good. It is an introductory level sales course for sure, or book to really read. Cool. I, I have one more question. I just realized. Ask away, man. I'm good. So um, what about for marketing books or courses? Well, I mean, you can take my marketing course if you want. I mean, that's probably the best way to do it is just understand my whole logic and ecosystem. That one's pretty good. Cool. I know Russell Brunson has some stuff. Um, and then I think that book, that book I told you about, Guerrilla, Guerrilla Marketing, that's the one. I would definitely check that out. It's cool. where you like to read. I'm sure you can get it as an audio program, but Guerrilla Marketing is really, is really good. Check it out. Cool. Um, I have a question about that, actually, kind of important because sometimes bands can be a little socially awkward sometimes and not understand when they're going too far. So this guerrilla marketing thing, uh, that per particularly the one point that you brought up, I would be worried that bands might be like, well, like comparing themselves to other bands. Bands aren't like brands, like especially within the metal community, they're 
they're connected. These bands will see what you have to say. If they're a bigger band than you, they might, it might cause beef, it might cause problems, drama in the scene. So I'm not saying like, like, it's a good point to clarify. It's not about going out and actually like attacking and like being rude and being obnoxious. It's more about for your own self of like an analysis point of, oh, we could improve this area or maybe we could do this more. You don't, you don't have to go out and like start stabbing people and be like, dude, you know, like picking fights and all that. This is more about just for you to help you find your position in the, in, in that space, in the marketplace and know what to do mm -hmm. with it. That's really what I was trying to say, but that was good that you brought it up because I could see how that could be uh, misconstrued for sure. Yeah, so um, it's not something that, you, something that you necessarily put in your messaging. It's just something no, that- No, 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 it's something more about you. It would help you, it would help you evolve <clears throat> your messaging. It would help you evolve, you know, well, nobody's talked about this. Maybe we can go into this area that nobody else goes into, uh, that kind of a thing. Like that's how I would approach it. You want to look for things that are a little bit outside of where people haven't gone yet. You know, who's not talking about that? You know, in social media marketing, I do that all the time. I'm like, where is, where hasn't anybody gone yet? You know, and that's, mm. that's what I really try to do. Mm. Cool. Uh, Gaia, do you have any final questions for Robert? Um, no. Cool. Um, Aliyah, do you got any final questions for Robert? I think that wraps things up pretty nicely. Cool. Do you have any questions for us, Robert, before we end off? No, I'm good, man. You guys just keep doing stuff like this and helping people out. I mean, I think it's great and people need this. They need to know different viewpoints and perspectives that you would never think could help them. So I think it's great. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you very much. And with thank that, you. Aaliyah will give us the outro. Yeah, and what I have to say is everybody, until next time, make like a bull and throw those horns up. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.